Lamping here, PHRA's Executive Director. Welcome to PHRA's podcast, P4, People, Purpose, Passion, Pittsburgh. P4 is brought to you by our members and sponsors, Lattice and the University of Pittsburgh, Executive MBA Programs, and the Center for Executive Education. We appreciate their support, and we'll hear from them throughout the podcast, beginning with the University of Pittsburgh Executive MBA Programs and Center for Executive Education. Especially in times of uncertainty and challenge, America needs exceptional leaders to guide our healthcare institutions. The highly ranked executive MBA in healthcare at the Joseph M. Katz Graduate School of Business at the University of Pittsburgh is designed to empower and enable leaders to think critically, make informed decisions, and inspire confidence. Forge your path into healthcare innovation by visiting business.pit.edu slash EMBA healthcare. In episode eight, Pete Schramm, P4 host, and Beth Davis discuss the importance of being curious and forgetting the mistakes and remembering the lessons learned. Beth Davis, how are we doing today? Excited to be here with you. And for anybody listening, this is particularly special because I learned how to spell HR whenever Beth and I met the first time. So Beth, welcome to P4. Uh, and we're excited. Everybody wants to understand and learn more about who you are, where you came from, and your why. Yeah, well, and and you want that in how long? No, um, thanks. We'll be here less than six hours. Don't worry, everybody. Okay, good. No, thank you for having me. It's good to see you. Um, and hopefully we'll get to tell the backstory of how we met. But I, I do remember you catching the fever uh, in a scrum class that we were teaching in D.C. And the dots started connecting very quickly for you about how it all hinges on people. So I think it's it's awesome that we figured out a way to get an engineer uh, to become one of the biggest people advocates that I've ever seen. So thank you for that, Pete. Um, yeah, you know, it's interesting, you know, just, you know, I'm, I think it's funny. I'm one of those people I've grown up in Pittsburgh, born and raised in Southwestern PA, and I had no concept of the business world. And, and frankly, Pittsburgh at the time was a, is a big town, right? This is back in the late nineties. And I have always just held this steadfast belief that work doesn't have to suck and we can actually have fun and we can actually help people, um, not feel the stress pressure and anxiety that a workplace can bring into your personal life. And that's just guided me for the 20 plus years I've been doing this work. And, and I have just this strong belief of shared ownership, right? It's not, that's an HR thing, or that's, that's not my job. It's like, no, collectively, it's, it's all of our jobs to keep our workplaces healthy. Cause I think it also helps the world be a better place. And that might sound super altruistic, but that's what guides me every day is figuring out how to help bring people together and do things together that they didn't think possible and try to have some fun while we're doing it. So I guess that's me in a very short nutshell. <laughs> yeah. Very, very helpful, Beth. So you said you grew up in Southwestern PA. Did you go to high school, college, grad school? Talk us through the academic uh, journey. Oh, yeah. Um, I went to a, for those of you listening, I went to a very small school called Yawk um, out in Westmoreland County. My my father um, uh, was a, a teacher at Norwin and uh, coach sports and all that. So I uh, grew up very rural. Um, like I said, downtown Pittsburgh was a big, a big city. And um, went to Westminster um, up 79 for undergrad and got into sociology. Um, very happenstance, did not intend to, to do HR. I took a class called Organizational uh, Complexity my freshman year and uh, just thought, well, that makes a lot of sense. I, I think I want to do that. And it turned into a career in HR. So I, I really didn't have a sense for HR as a profession. It never was something that I was aware of. And um, 
yeah, didn't go to graduate school. I, I always jokingly say I got my MBA kind of organically because I've worked with so many tremendous people who you know, went to Harvard and went to Wharton and Stanford and worked for McKinsey or worked for the military, you know, just these really amazing people that took me under their wing throughout my career. So I was fortunate to get exposure to a lot of those folks. So I learned that MBA level uh, knowledge uh, experientially through working um, over these past 20 years. Okay, so that's the next piece of the, uh, the the question goes into where are some of the places that you've worked and some of the roles that you held? And as you're kind of mentioning the different individuals, I'm like, okay, well, I know at least one person that checks a couple of those different boxes that was on, uh, on, on some of those leadership teams. So, you know, Beth, you've worked a lot of different places. Talk us through a little bit of that career progression uh, after you graduated from, from Westminster and, and where you are today doing some really, really interesting work. Thank you. Um, yeah, I um, I think part of uh, the journey, again, it starts with my roots. I didn't know. I worked for a, a small bank, you know, while I was in college being a bank teller. And so I got my first job out of college at a little company here in town called Free Markets, uh, which those of you who, who have been around, we were the first building in Pittsburgh to have a sign on it. And we were called People Development back in 1999. And it was an amazing experience because it, it basically showed me that uh, the people work is very interconnected. And so I got to, to be there for the first five years of my career, got to travel the globe, had colleagues, you know, in Singapore and Brussels. And I thought, how cool am I? I'm on these conference calls, you know, with colleagues all over the world. I grew up two doors up from a cow farm. This is crazy. Um, but I was also given the opportunity to learn. Um, so as we grew very quickly in that uh, early, early days, um, if something new came up, it was who's going to take that on, who's going to do that work. And so it really helped me have that no limits mindset. Um, and then subsequently leaving there, went to um, a company that was headquartered in Baton Rouge called the Shaw Group, a very different global company of about 30,000 employees, a multi-billion dollar company of uh, engineering, chemicals, construction, uh, environmental stuff, uh, very, uh, very involved with Hurricane Katrina. Um, that was a very interesting life experience. Again, went in to do an HR generalist type role and ended up being the head of product man project management for HR standardization. And again, collab high collaboration, bring people together. Let's make this easier for people. Um, did a tour of duty at UPMC. I had just amazing experiences there, uh, getting to help the corporate division of UPMC through a very complex time in the healthcare space, right? This was, you know, Affordable Care Acts and Obamacare was still coming into reality and competition for talent and systems and just, again, one of those great moments. Um, and then when I left, I, you know, took a pause and really started to think about consulting and how I love helping people. And so I actually started a little business called the Llewellyn Group, which the joke uh, that some know is that Llewellyn is the type of dog I have. So Olive is our mascot, um, but Llewellyn stands for, um, for me, her values, you know, quick to learn, very loyal, very compassionate. And that's how I really, you know, wanted to show up for clients. And, and my husband, John, who you know, Pete, um, introduced me to the world of Scrum and Agile, and it just made a lot of sense to me. And so went on a journey for, for quite a number of years, helping companies think about not only how they work, but how they interact with each other and kind of integrating the two. And that's how you and I met. And uh, as, a, as a scrum trainer and, and helping companies really think differently 
and fortunately got hired by one of my clients. Uh, I'm now the VP of people at a, a company called Soft Writers here in Pittsburgh. Um, we are leading software for the long-term care pharmacy space um, under Roper Technologies, which is a large publicly traded uh, conglomerate, if you will, of companies. And we're getting to do some really cool stuff with bringing this all together um, for the people of soft writers and the customers we serve. Wow. All right. <laughs> Every time we talk, I learn a little bit of something new. So we're about six pages of notes deep. I'm not going to go through all, all those again right now. Uh, as you were talking about the experience at, at UPMC and what happened at free markets, and as you got exposed to more and more and more, some of those trends are things that we hear about in the HR space today and in all, all business space, right? It's like HR has bubbled over to the rest of the world, almost like you said at the beginning, what was it? Uh, work doesn't have to suck. Man, wouldn't it be cool if every single leader would say that? So Beth, the first question is, what's the biggest trend that you're seeing in this HR space right now that's impacting your business and your clients? Yeah, it's... um. I, you know, and I think it's just been consistent for the 20 years that I've worked 20 plus years is, is whose job is it? I think that's the trend is, is clarity for people, um, about their role responsibilities and accountabilities. And, and I think the more we can make it easy for people to understand not so much what their job title is or where their box points on the org chart, but really what is the work of, of our company and, and how does it support what we're trying to do for the world or customers, whatever that looks like, it, it really matters because time and again, it, it comes down to clarity for people. What is my role? What is my responsibility in this? who can help me kind of reaching across boundaries and really de-siloing organizations is something that, you know, I think a lot of people believe strongly makes sense, very hard to put into action. And so for me, the trend, so to speak, of empowerment to action is, is really important. And it, it is changing the way organizations function. And I think we're seeing, um, even in my, the company I work at today, the expectation has now been set and we already started, you know, the work to create this high empowerment, high involvement culture. It's a high ticket to entry, right? It's, it's, if you want to work somewhere that you're told what to do every day and be micromanaged, I kind of jokingly say like, then don't apply to our company because you're not going to get that here. Um, but I think that empowerment piece of, uh, you know, can we empower people and, and are we clear on what the work is versus what's the job title that we need to fill? So I think that's something I've been paying a lot of attention to for many years, but even more so now. And Beth, sometimes this takes a lot of time, right? Whenever you have to clarify, what is it that's expected of you? Do you get it? Am I just nodding my head or am I saying yes and repeating it back to you? Big difference in those two things and something that I've learned from you. And as I talk to more people that work on your team now and have worked with you in the past, you always take time to make sure things are done the right way. And there's that piece of accountability. You mentioned it a couple of times that if you do a great job, I'm going to make sure that you know you did a phenomenal job. But if you messed up and there's some room for improvement, you hold people accountable. So yeah. share with us a little bit more around those pieces of, around accountability and some tools that we can put into our own toolboxes as we think about this accountability concept. Yeah. One of my... Uh leaders back at Shaw, a woman named Tracy Sender. Um, hey, Tracy, if you hear this, um, said to me earlier in my career, like, you know, make a million mistakes, just don't make the same one a million times. And I, and I know a lot of people have a version of that that they say, but I think it's really important. I just hung up a picture in my office that says, 
um, forget the mistake, remember the lesson. And again, I think it's, it's that diligence of just being consistent as a leader, as a human, that you're, you're walking your talk and, and making it safe for people to fail in that, you know, I, I can remember early in my career, surprising for some of you, I hated talking in front of people. I would get really nervous and, and, and created high anxiety. And one of my um, leaders back then said, you know, you don't want to get to a leadership position like me, that person, and, and be afraid to talk in front of people. We've got to solve this early. And I was like terrified because I thought, what are you going to do? Put me in front of the whole company. We're like 500 people. I'll die. Um, no, it was do the new hire welcome. It's like a five minute welcome, get in front of the 10 new hires um, and setting people up to succeed. Also recognizing that if I totally tanked on it, it wasn't career ending, right? It wasn't something that was going to plague me for the rest of my life. And I've carried that into how I do things now is, is, you know, put people in a position to succeed. And if they do have some failures, have some bumps along the way, that none of it will be career detrimental to them or reputation harming for them because you care enough for them to succeed, but you're also putting them in circumstances where it is gonna challenge them to grow. And I think as a leader, my responsibility is to have the patience to help somebody learn and grow, provide that feedback and coaching and be really crystal clear on why, right? Why I'm asking you to get involved in this, what the impact is to the company. And that to your point about time, it takes time, but that also shows care and concern for people, right? As opposed to, doing the resource allocation game, which is, you know, I need a resource. You know me well enough to say it like people are not resources at all. And, and if we can get to a deeper level to understand motivation and what, why people are nervous, right? It might not be that you're not motivated. It's that at your other company, you got yelled at or you got fired. Um, we bring biases in. So I think, again, getting deeper underneath the hood for what's driving behaviors helps us then create a more high responsibility culture. And then it's not just the people with titled leadership jobs that are responsible for defining that it's asking people like here's the problem we're trying to solve today what do you think right kind of using that the brain power of everyone not just the people with a certain job title the piece you just said there asking everyone I, i've seen this time and time again where you'll kind of sit back and you'll just pause after some individuals in the room are talking and you won't be the first one to speak, even though you're in a leadership position, an instructor, facilitator, right? You're, you're driving the whole show and we all know it, but you want to make sure that every single voice is heard. Yeah. And I, th I know, I don't think, I know that that builds trust on so many different levels. And what you just talked about, walking the walk, talking the talk, persistent, consistent, is also one of those pieces that builds that foundation of trust. We can't yeah. build a, a, a great team with, without that. So one of the things, Beth, how do you build trust and respect uh, with this organization? I mean, maybe even what you've done over the last 18 months, I think 18 months, right? In this, in this yeah, new world. just about, like, yeah. Has it really it, been that long already? <laughs> it has, yeah. I, I started full-time. They invited me in full-time in uh, May of last year, but started as a, as a coach in uh, November of 2020. So yeah, it's, it's been a minute. Um, I think for me, it's, it's, and it, it, it was a journey for me, right? I'm 45 years old now. So, you know, there's a something about your younger self and, you know, I had to get to a place of comfort with who I am and what I stand for. And, and I, I give so much um, credit to my husband, John, who helped, helped me, you know, kind of figure out how to be authentically Beth and unapologetically Beth, but also be able to 
situationally adapt myself to who I'm with. Um, I was, I, you know, I, I think part of it is I was raised to be curious about everybody and find everybody interesting that's different than you. And like everybody is different <laughs> than me, uh, just like everyone's different than you. And so just getting really comfortable talking to people and asking kind of off the wall questions. And, you know, even uh, as soon as today I was with a, a group at work and I was just asking like random questions, like, you know, what's, you know, what's your jam right now, right? Like, what music are you listening to in our town hall? And you just get a sense for who people are by how they respond. And sometimes you're just like, wow, what is that music? And again, it's a way to get to know people, but it also builds trust and creates that humanness that we're all humans. Um, and I also think for me, it's, it's that being consistent. Like when I do make mistakes, I am the first to admit it and say like, listen, I know my schedule has been crazy. I keep canceling on you. I'm very sorry. It's not my intention, I'm not blaming anyone. I'm taking ownership of it, right? If something doesn't go to plan, it's like, wow, didn't see that at all. I can appreciate your perspective. It's being detached just enough from, from the results that it's not about me as a person. And I think that shows people your vulnerability and also just calling it, you know, like, yeah, that didn't go so good. Uh, what can we do different next time? And, and in a position of real and perceived authority that I'm in right now, not underestimating that. Like, I don't expect people to, to respect the title. In fact, I, I'm one to say leave titles outside, like doesn't matter to me. And I know for certain people, it does matter because I do have real power in our organization um, and can make really important decisions so you have to kind of wield that with um, a lot of care, you know, and, and, and use the power for good. And I think that builds trust, like being authentic and rinse and repeat every day. And I think that's the thing people forget about leadership is it is a journey of being consistent, right? And, and it takes patience. And that's something that I wasn't gifted with, um, but I've come to appreciate uh, in, as I've matured in my career of just sitting, as you said, sitting back and listening. And I'll tell people, listen, I have tons of ideas and opinions about this. Um, I'm curious what yours are first, um, because they're, they're probably going to be better aligned or whatever. And as long as we're on the right track, I just have a lot of ideas because I've been working for 20 some years, you know, <laughs> like it's not that I'm the smartest one in the room. Although, you know, oftentimes Beth is one of the smartest ones in the room. So we'll have to, to blow her up and do, do some of the bragging for her because she might not do that for herself. So Beth, it seems like even though you have an HR hat on, you'll still engage with people regularly. And just like asking, what's, what's your favorite song? That's kind of an odd question to ask, but they see you, uh, you know, more, more frequently. So is it okay if, you know, if we're in HR and this function to like talk to people outside of hiring and firing and performance reviews? Yeah, it's so funny. I, um, so my first job, I was a people development assistant in 1999. So I, I was raised in that professional environment at free markets where all hands were on deck. We're building this company together. So I, I was a bit like shocked when I went into other companies where it was like, why would I be proactive and go talk to people? Or why would I learn the business or, you know, understand our financials or our balance sheets and that business acumen? Um, and I'm just thinking in my head, I'm like, well, but it's like people are doing this work. So we probably should understand how our business works. Um, and I think those who believe that HR is, you know, hire, fire, make sure our payroll is on time and accurate as possible. is It's important work that we do. And I come from the belief that you share that ownership, right? So I don't want you to need 
me to have a huge team. I want to automate things. I want to make it easy for you to lead. Um, I think everyone's job is HR at some level, right? Because we all play a role. And, you know, just again, the consistency, right? I, I have a team, uh, a colleague who might be listening to this that I worked with um, years ago. And I remember asking her to go out and be a business partner. She said, well, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, you know, proactively going out and talking to that, those managers, those team members, uh, well, why, you know, I'm just here to wait for them to call me. And I, you know, so we had to really help understand this mindset of being almost like an account manager. Like you're going out to check in, how's it going, product services, voice of the customer, right? That product mindset that I bring in so that when you have to go sell a change, a process, um, some new policy, you've built trust and credibility with them. Well, what did I talk to them about? Go into a system, go grab a Cognos report, you know, and just go say, hey, I'm looking at your turnover statistics. What are you noticing? You don't have to have the answers. You're just provoking dialogue, right? And I think it's that consistency of helping people see the interconnectedness. And the team I'm with right now, uh, shout out Chandler, Maisha, and Jenna, if y'all are listening. Um, we just were on our earnings call today for Roper, our parent company. And you might think, well, why would you invite the people team to an earnings call on Wall Street? It's to develop our appreciation of our business acumen, right? To understand at, at some level how our work impacts uh, shareholder value. And it's not like we're directly impacting it, but we are, because if our company isn't healthy and successful and financially stable, it has a ripple effect. And so again, unencumbering them to say it's part of business, right? And it's important for us to all understand how, how our business works. And that was like all over the place, but I just, you know, I've always had that mindset of like, we're all business people. We just happen to have a little bit more specialization on people and human behavior stuff and employment laws. And you understand tax accounting better than I do as a financial person or whatever your profession is, but we're all still playing the same sport, which is running a business. And how can we uh, make sure that everybody's strengths and interests are aligned properly so that this business, this one, you know, true North for all of us, uh, we're pointed in the right direction. I think you said it right at the beginning, right? Yeah, what job absolutely. is it? What's my role? What's my responsibility? <laughs> what skills do you have? I, I remember, and here's the other thing, like if I think about the HR things, it's, it's we were doing an implementation of a, a re-implementation of an HRAS system at a company I was working at and we were re-implementing time and attendance. So those of you who are dealing with time and attendance, punching in and out, you know, you have your non-exempt and exempt workforce, um, it, it's really easy in some ways to just turn it, the switches on from an HR perspective and just tell people what to do. But what we did instead was involve the team that we needed to use the system that we're going to be punching in and out in this new way to actually help us re-implement the system. So none of them were HR professionals. Um, we needed someone who, who punched in and out. That was one of the skills that we needed on the team. We needed a time approver. Right? We needed someone with some systems knowledge um, and a few other things, but they came from various departments. And what was interesting is one of the, the guys that volunteered said, you know, I'm in this customer service job now. In my prior life, I worked for ADP as an implementer of their payroll system globally. Can I volunteer for the team? Now, if we were just looking at job titles, he would have never been invited in. You better believe I was like, come here right now, because we were actually re-implementing a feature of, of, of EP, and it was just this amazing blessing. Well, if we had just looked at him through the lens of where he reported on the org chart or what his job title was, we'd have missed it. And he was re-engaged. We had fun with it. And oh, by the way, he got some career development 
because he got to be a part of a big change initiative in a fairly large company that he would have never had access to before. So it's like building in professional development while you're actually getting stuff done. So. And through more connections and conversations, hmm, if only there was a way for us to do more of that. Beth, you talk a lot about the business acumen. I don't know that I've ever heard of a people team being on an earnings call before. So hopefully that's one that people can take away from here and say, oh, maybe I could, whether I'm in HR or not in HR, you know, how can everybody understand what really matters at the top and then be able to ask those kinds of questions to different mentors, bosses, other people over time of, hey, how do I fit into that? This thing, now I learned, you know, P and L, what, what is that? How do, what, you know, where, where's my role in that piece? Um, so you talk about inclusion of all these different ideas and diversity of, of backgrounds and something that's really popular right now is, is DEI and some organizations are like, yep, I'm just going to check the box, you know, sprinkle a little bit of training on that and boom, we're good to go. But it's so much more than that. So Beth, you know, you've seen, uh, you know, kind of people development and people roles, HR from many different organizations over a few different decades. And, you know, I think DEI has always been there. But now it's just so much more important. Again, we're asking for some advice from you. What can we do to positively influence diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging? Yeah, it's 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 complicated. I think for for me, what's always guided me through my experiences is make it part of your business, right? And it's not an initiative, right? Death by a thousand initiatives, right? Nothing sustains. And I think the first step is to get really clear on who you are as a company, right? Not just your values and your mission, but really what, what, what do we stand for and, and why does that matter and who do we serve, right? You know, and, and being really attuned to the bigger picture of our population. So it's less about solving for X. It's more getting clear on, on who we are, what do we stand for, and then how do we invite more people into that um, to be a part of it. And I think, you know, for me, the the DEI thing. I mean, we do the right things in terms of paying attention and looking and you know making sure there's equity and doing those reviews on a regular basis. We've done a really good job at Softwriters. Uh, our president Scott Beatty said this uh, at our board meeting last week. Um, we've done a really good job on the inclusion front in the sense of how we operate, being very open to bringing people in to solve problems, to be very curious, to make things radically transparent. You know what's working, what's not. Um, the Scrum approach has really helped us with that. So we've done a really good job with inclusion and, and also getting curious about people. That's something that I, I really push on to say, let's learn about your strengths. Let's, let's hear about your past experiences. Um, let's talk about your heritage, right? What's your cultural heritage? You know, where, where do you come from? What do you care about? Um, so ways to understand people from, from just asking questions and leaning in and being curious. Um, we did a really cool thing that I'm quite proud of. I think it's cool. Um, we changed our holiday calendar at work, right? So we we had a lot of, um, we have a lot of time off in case you're coming to Softwriters. We do a good job with that. But we also recognize that a lot of our holidays were, were not as inclusive as they could be. So instead of trying to like pick and choose, like we're not doing this for this holiday, we essentially went and said, here's the eight company holidays that we have that are pretty standard, you know, in the United States, but the remaining five, we're going to give everyone floating holidays to use as they will for celebrations and observances that are important to them. Um, because we know we have a diverse workforce uh, from, at least from a faith perspective, um, we know we've got, you know, folks of different religious uh, backgrounds 
And there's just things that matter to people that don't matter to others. So it was really well received and, and uh, gave people respect to say, you know, we're not going to assume we can answer all the questions or, or cover all the bases, but we're at least going to create the environment that you have choice, right, on, on the observances that you, um, that you care about. And it also signals to our customers, these are the days that we're definitely not fully staffed, company holidays, but appreciate that we also want to respect our colleagues uh, to take time off and, and celebrate things that matter to them. Um, and then, you know, the diversity side, we have work to do, um, you know, and it's, it's, you know, if you're not putting attention on it, it's not going to change. And so we're, we're trying a bunch of things out to see how to attract people to us, right? And not just doing the check the box. It's like, let's get out in the field and get to know people. Let's talk about soft graders um, and not pursue some number, right? We're not pursuing a number, we never will. It's the, are we doing all the right things to make it easy for people to choose to share their time and talent with us and also be curious about things that we're doing that may unintentionally disengage people um, simply because we're running fast and not paying attention. So I know that was like a long-winded answer, but it's, it's like a complicated ecosystem of, of intentions, right? So I think it's always starting with what is your intention? Why are you doing this? And then from there, invite as many people in as you can to help you actually think through it because you will get more diverse ideas, the more people you ask, and then it's figuring out what's the things that we can commit to and, and, uh, take action on and then learn from it and make changes as we go. Beth, I'm doing a couple of tallies over here of the different uh, words and, and key phrases that you keep bringing up a bunch of times. And, you know, the, 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 the front runners right now are, are shared ownership, right? That goes across the organization, up, down, side to side. Be curious, consistency, and the why. So those are some things that have really been sticking out uh, so far um, thanks for everything that you're sharing up to this point. We're going to go into the kind of quick response phase of, of the podcast. You, you ready for this? I'm on. Let's do it. All right. The first one is if you can give some advice to your younger self, um, you know, younger Beth, maybe she's up at Westminster, maybe, you know, over at free markets, you're going to say, hey, do this. Don't do that. What would that be? Uh, don't take everything so personally. Um, I, I, I had to grow out of that. It probably has happened in the last like 10 years. Um, highly sensitive person. And I took all criticism as a, as personal, right? And and I, I wish I was more mature about that sooner because every little mistake I made, even if people told me it's not going to ruin your career or anything, I was my own worst critic. And I think just to, to relax a bit more and say, enjoy the ride. Don't just, uh, don't just focus on what, isn't going well or where you're not getting your, your gold star. Uh, so ease up on yourself, Beth. <laughs> All right, Beth, how are you doing with uh, gardening and golf and some of those other relaxing activities? Are you, you, I'm you cooking a lot. More time? Yeah, cooking. no, we're doing good. Yeah. And it's, and it's, I think there's joy. You, you talked about joy and I said about work, not having to be miserable. It's like, I enjoy being the one that gets called out in a meeting to say like, you know, Beth, that wasn't helpful or, people do it very respectfully. And I can sit there and smile and be like, totally can see your perspective. Uh, wasn't my intention. I totally can respect where you're coming from. Uh, old Beth would have been defensive, reactive, even shut down, you know, really beating myself up, not mad at the person, just mad at myself. Now I'm just kind of like, eh, 
yeah, I, I, I own that, you know, I'll do better next time. And, and that goes so far because you're not having this defensive posture because you're egocentric. It's kind of just like, yeah, I could see that. <laughs> you know? And, and, and it models for others. Like when you're providing like, Hey, that wasn't so helpful. Like, I still like you as a person. It's just that particular moment you weren't like the best. So it's, it's nice. It's much more All relaxed. Right, next, next, <laughs> next, next one is uh, around a book. Somebody comes into your office. Hey Beth, what's up? I'm getting ready to finish up this book. And, you know, I heard that you have this awesome reading list that you always recommend to people. One or two books that are always on your recommendation list to others. Yeah. Um, one is power of Ted. Um, it's the empowerment dynamic, uh, David Emerald, a uh, good friend changed my life, uh, over a decade ago. And it's around how we all play roles in drama and how we have other choices we can make on how we lead ourselves uh, in this world to not get drawn into a reactive, you know, deficit-focused way of looking at the world. So it's it's just very powerful on a personal and a professional level, and it's work that I um, will do until I can no longer work. I, I weave it into everything. Um, it was very life-changing for me. Um, and the one recently, as much as, as you might be looking for a scrum book, I, I do recommend the yellow book uh, by JJ Sutherland, which is the scrum field book, because it tells just such great stories about how these ways of working are actually good for everyone. But, but um, the one that I'm, I'm really revisiting lately, I'm looking at it, it's called Time to Think by Nancy Klein. And it's about giving um, kind of this radical idea of thinking for ourselves and how do we create the environment that gives people space to do their best thinking and allow for emotions and energy to come through it. And it's just super powerful, like how everyone talks about listening. It's really about creating space for people to think. And, and it's just a powerful book that has, again, shaped how I show up as a human, not just in the workplace. Very cool. Um, just one or two more. So we talked about the advice you'd give your younger self. Now we're going to think about the toolbox of Beth Davis and rewinding a little bit. If there's something that we could have added in there, maybe it was a skill, maybe it was a certification, maybe it was, you know, some educational MBA. But if there was another thing you could have put in that toolbox earlier on, what, what would that have been? Hmm. I think learning business sooner. Um, I, I, I come back to that acumen. I wasn't as curious as I probably ought to have been about how business really works because I kind of had this mindset of, oh, that's finance stuff and I'm not good with numbers. Well, no, I'm not good at calculus, but the numbers of running a business make a lot of sense. Um, and I think, you know, getting into that mindset sooner, it probably took me a good five, seven years in my career to like, oh, I should probably learn that and care about marketing and supply chain and how all these things fit together. Um, I think I would have appreciated getting a chance to spend some time navigating jobs that were not just the HR path. Cause I think it, it, it ultimately would have made me maybe even more uh, conversant earlier, um, but also to like understand what people are dealing with and, and understanding business at a practical level, not at a, at a theoretical level. So I think that that would have been it, like actually getting into core business and say like, what do we do? How do we do this? Uh, versus being kind of removed from it on the people side. 
Beth, we met through a, a Scrum Inc. initiative. Can you give us like a 20 or 30 second overview? What the heck is Scrum? I hear it all the all these places. Uh, this, I have an idea, so don't, don't get mad at me for not being a good student here. Uh, some people might be saying, Scrum, 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 are we talking rugby? What is this? So uh, real quick, what yeah. is it? How can we apply it to our work? Well, you absolutely can. Um, it's it's. I talk about Scrum as a way of organizing people and work to go after goals and 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 achieve them. Right. It's it's simple as that. It's a very simple framework of taking a big, big, big mission, vision, whatever project that we're trying to do, and breaking it down into smaller parts and delivering frequently uh, change. And it's a goal getting approach is the way I talk about it. Um, but it's also a way to pace change and a way to get people to interact and break down silos. Uh, it's an operating model uh, coupled with a mindset that comes with agile values around transparency and inclusion and uh, collective intelligence and really kind of thinking about how to be um, how to be a team, right? It's it's really that simple. What makes it really hard is we've organized uh, companies to be much more like machines, you know, in the sense that there's like a top-down hierarchy and very defined lanes and 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 makes sense, right? Very process-driven, very efficient. What we've lost, I think, in the last 20 years uh, in a lot of ways is we've created our own problems of silos and, you know, whose responsibility is this on the racy chart and all that stuff. All very helpful, but what Scrum does is it kind of puts a structure around uh, work to help things move, I think, at a pace um, that makes sense, but also deals with real issues and impediments quickly, right? It's a, it's, it's tough to master. Uh, it's very hard, as you know, to master, but it creates just enough discipline and rigor to allow you to actually achieve something um, with others. It goes back to more of the, the, the people concepts and we uh, win together in the transparency. Cool. Last question, Beth. Uh, yeah. You mentioned you're, you know, VP of people at Softwriters right now. Everybody that's listening, what's one thing that we can do to help you and your organization? Um, you know, we're, we all went win together and we thank you for being part of this podcast. What can we do for you? Yeah, no, I mean, we're, we're hiring. Um, we're not growing exponentially, but I think anyone who's looking for something different, um, really lean into us. It's a company that I wasn't aware of here in Pittsburgh and, and it's quite special. And we, we serve a very vulnerable population. Ultimately, uh, the patients that we serve are in long-term care um, and it's, it's just critical. So being connected to something that's bigger than a piece of software. And I think just, just continuing to support us in the region as we serve people all over the United States. Uh, and so some of you may have family um, out in other parts of the country that are being serviced by pharmacies that use our software. And so I think just being able to support us on this noble mission. And, you know, if you are looking to work somewhere that is, you know, high, high responsibility, high accountability, not a lot of uh, hierarchy going on and, and a place to feel empowered and actually do something good in the world, come join us. Um, we, we've got some openings. We're not growing too crazy, but um, just supporting us and our team members in the region um, to continue to get to do what they get to do. Yeah, another opportunity for me to really give Beth a, a shout out. Uh, there are maybe a half dozen people that if I'd say, man, I'd go work for that person in a heartbeat. Beth Davis is, is one of those people over the last two, three years. Uh, she walks the walk, talks the talk and seeing other people that she's worked with, again, mentioned it earlier, but it's that's what it's all about. 
that's what being, you know, servant leader is all about, bettering, bringing everybody up around you. So whenever she says, hey, reach out if you're interested about job opportunity, like definitely do, do that. Yeah, just do awesome it. Awesome opportunity. Yeah, yeah so. thank you. Thank you so much, Pete. I am, um, I'm always on a mission to work myself out of a job. And, and I say that very confidently, not because I don't need to work. It's just, there are other people waiting in the wings. And so the more I can help other people succeed, it's, that's my joy. I mean, ultimately when other people are being successful and doing good, it's the ripples that you don't see. Like that's what keeps me going on the hardest days because you just don't know on your journey who, who you're going to meet um, and, and whose life you're going to be a part of in, in what you think is a small way. Um, but that's the point right? That's why I do what I do and uh, why I've stuck in this game of HR and people for 20 some years. And it's still fun. And I still am smiling and I still enjoy it because there's still lots of people I haven't met yet and I uh, haven't gotten a chance to be a part of their journey. So uh, I'm around. <laughs> yeah, Beth, thanks so much for joining us today on this episode of the podcast. We'll have a little bit more of that information that you shared in the notes. Uh, but on behalf of you know PHRA and the whole community, thank you for joining us today for all that you've done for the, the community and for making HR more than just transactional and, and ultimately relational and making it fun to bring people into the conversation. Thank you, Pete. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. In a world where businesses are coming to terms with the demands of employee choice, solutions to improve workplace culture are crucial. Businesses of all sizes are doing everything they can to attract and retain top talent during this unprecedented time. Connection to the team, a sense of belonging, and a feeling of purpose rank high in the needs of today's work-from-anywhere society. Sound familiar? At Lattice, we understand the importance team building and positive employee-employer relationships have on the success of a workplace. Done well? Top-down and peer-to-peer -peer knowledge sharing can unlock new levels of productivity and profitability to create a culture of cohesive collaboration. Ongoing high-quality connections reduce burnout and mitigate mental health issues, more important now than ever with social isolation on the rise. Lattice is a tool to make internal employee engagement easier and much more impactful for the entire organization. Lattice is a proven, secure workplace solution that is easy to implement for organizations of all sizes. So what are you waiting for? Let's Lattice. The PHRA P4 podcast was created to help build HR readers through discussions with thought and business leaders on the most critical success factor of any business, its people. If you enjoy an episode, please help us spread the word by subscribing to the podcast and providing us a rating. We would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode, tag PHRA, and share it with your followers. Until next time, thank you for watching and thank you for listening.